You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. 162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com. Today on the ZabeCast, what are the chances that on a long holiday weekend, my air conditioning would go out? Joey Chestnut proves he's a real American hero. The bell is finally rung for Hammer and Hank on the Mount Rushmore of TV sports touts. All that plus a State of the Union on our country's 246th birthday. Your 30-minute uncensored bonus edition of Pure Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Monday, July 4, 2022. Hope you have enjoyed your long weekend. I know, I know, my dear subscribers, I owe you a podcast. I shall grant you an extra podcast at some point this week, but I just didn't quite have it in me as I unplugged pretty well this weekend from the world of sports and news and just kind of hung out, had a great 4th of July, shot off fireworks in the backyard with the family, all 10 fingers, all 10 toes. Uh, well, why are you using toe? Never mind. It was a rather small display, to be honest, for the normal standard of Zabin monogamous compound firework displays. I'm not saying my brother did a Bad job of getting the fireworks. He did get them for us. And it was $500 worth. And I said I was in for 200 of myself. He was in for the 300 It didn't seem to go very far. Now, all these fireworks stands, they have these goofy buy one, get two free. Buy three, get four and a half uh, on a 50% discount. Mix and, mix and match. And, you know, you think you're making out. And then you're like, wait a minute. This firework cost $69, and it lasted literally 38 seconds. 
Maybe. <laughs> Adds up quickly, doesn't it? There was a uh, cake that we bought that was called the Man Cave. <laughs> I tweeted. I didn't tweet a picture. I put it on my Instagram. By the way, I've got Instagram. I'm trying to become Instagram fluent. Is that the right word? I'm trying to up my IG game, and I need help. God, do I need help. I need an Instagram tutor or mentor or a social media strategist. They, someone needs to say, look, Instagram can work for you, but you are a 54-year-old bald white male, so let's stay in your lane here. Here's what you do want to do. Here's what you don't want to do. And I can't figure out how to post. It's a bit of a nightmare. Anyway, I, uh, I posted on Instagram. Wait, what did I? Yeah, I posted the picture on Instagram of Man Cave. And I just said, which lasted longer? Question mark. With the hashtag, if you know, you know. And I'm not going to explain it here because this is an Easter egg for those who are longtime listeners to my former station in D.C., the team, 980. But yeah, the fireworks display, it was, you know, once we were shooting them off, I was like, mm, man, I wanted more. Should have got more. Should have upped the budget for more. But part of the problem was we had a very small gathering. It was kind of sad because I know how big the gatherings had been in the past. And I remember the Lynn family from Rockville, Maryland, making the one-hour-plus overland trek to get out to the compound on 4th of July. One year, we rented a inflatable water slide for the kids. But the Lins would come out, and I got pictures of his kids when they were just, you know, kids. And now, one's in college, the next one's going, the third not too far. My daughter, my older daughter was home, but my younger daughter was being a camp counselor. Uh, my brother's kids are both living in California. They couldn't be there. It's like, what happened? What happened to the big merry gatherings we once had? So it was nice, but a little bit sad. And then I flew to Milwaukee today on 4th of July. Great day to fly. The weather couldn't have been nicer back in DC. Once here in Milwaukee, though, it just started to rain. All afternoon into the evening, very soggy, not very good. Uh, so I've kind of done nothing today other than hit a, a bucket of golf balls, and that was it. Going to try to find some fireworks somewhere tonight and call it a 4th of July. I hope you had a great 4th of July yourself, and I hope that you can count all 10 fingers and all 10 toes. Joey Chestnut, we're going to talk about him today on the program. Uh, also, where is Kobayashi? I need to know where is Kobayashi. But let's start, cut one, happy birthday, America, the State of the Union. It's not great, especially not with the shooting in Highland Park, Chicago today, although, do you know that elsewhere in Chicago, a vast, sprawling, massive city, there was 15 people killed and 60 wounded in gun violence. You know, another normal weekend in Chicago, but this was not a parade shooting, which obviously shocks people because Highland Park is an affluent part of the city, 
and it was a parade to gather and celebrate with old and young alike, and it was horrible. But that said, too many depressing things to get super excited about the nation's birthday. The wrong track numbers that they're polling for people are approaching off the charts. Is the country on the right track? No, people are saying. Biden's approval rating, sinking like a rock. Inflation, up. Price of gas, up. Nonsense, up, up, up. And the two biggest things that get me down, number one is that the media is wholly corrupt now and entirely on one side of the political spectrum. They are, in fact, propagandists for one party. And this is something the founders never saw coming. And how could they? They always thought, hey, a free press is crucial to the functioning of a representative democracy, a republic. But they never envisioned that one party would basically capture all of the mainstream media. And then, who could have envisioned the multiplier effect of big tech and social media and the internet leveraging that one-sidedness even further? Because if they don't want to report on something, it almost doesn't exist as a story. The second thing that gets me down is that people are sheep. And you see it with the masks. Still with the fucking masks. Unbelievable. You see it on social media where people bragging about, hey, I'm double boosted, I'm double vaxxed, I mask all... I, I just got COVID. But it would have been much worse if I hadn't done all that. Meh. What's also depressing is that there doesn't seem to be any reckoning coming for the wrongs and the harms of the lockdowns. When there should be. Parents. Parents should be the ones nearly burning down buildings in anger of the things that their children are going through right now. The speech delays, the suicides, the other harms, the stolen years that they'll never get back. Nah, they just sort of go along with it. Or worse, they're gaslighting themselves into thinking it was, well, it was we had to do it. No, we didn't. Or they just forget it altogether. Oh, yeah, remember that? That was kind of crazy, but all right, we're moving on. Any hopes of a course correction this fall with a big red wave is, I would say, I mean, Republicans are going to win a lot of elections, a lot of seats, but is that going to matter? The Republican Party is full of traitors, thumb suckers, and outright grifters, and there's only a handful of them that are worth a shit. And the list of disappointments that have carried the elephant logo is so long, well, I don't have time here. Then there is the woke cancer that is ESPN, a reminder of just how far the network has fallen from something that we as sports fans used to love, love ESPN, to what it is now, which is a pathetic, annoying mess. Howard Bryant wrote a nearly 10,000 or longer word essay today, essentially saying how he hates the 4th of July now. He used to love it. It was his favorite holiday, but now he hates it. And you're never going to guess why he hates it now. He ticked all the boxes. The Roe v. Wade decision, guns, the January 6th incidents, and and 
and the committee hearings on it, and even anti-vaxxers, he's ticking all the boxes. I know Clay Travis rubs people a lot the wrong way, but he basically destroys the whole column from top to bottom. It's a pretty good dissertation. Howard Bryant, who himself pled uh, to a lesser charge of domestic violence and six months probation after beating up his wife in public and then assaulting the cop that came to intervene. Still employed and writing shitty columns. Basically saying America is such a horrible place. I used to like it, but I don't now. Then there's Dan Lebetard. Dan Lebetard, the guy who openly cried about his cocaine dealer, John Skipper, getting fired at ESPN. The guy who thinks he sits at the head of the coolest sports lunch table in the cafeteria. The guy who invited Michelle Tafoya on and had his minions attack her because she dared to have a conservative opinion or two and sharing them with the public. Lebetard today on social media went off thusly talking about everything that is under attack in America. Freedom is under attack. Democracy is under attack. Decency is under attack. Women are obviously under attack. Black people are obviously under attack. Immigrants, exiles, Jews, Asians, Muslims, the poor, gays are under attack. Lesbians, bisexuals, the transgender, the questioning are under attack. Anything or anyone who can be framed as the other to further foment fear is under attack. Our kids are under attack. Our mothers, wives, girlfriends, sisters, daughters, the things we love and the things we need. Your bank account, your gas tank, your rent, your oceans, your farms, your futures, your free speech is under attack. Fair elections, facts. The free press, the Constitution, the Capitol building is under attack. We, the people, are under attack. Whatever you thought and dreamed this country was or could be is very much under attack. Freedom is under attack. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, just list everything. The comments to this are gold. Half of them, of course, are like, way to go, Dan. You're so brave for speaking out. Yeah, man, don't t- don't stick to sports. The rest of the con- I mean, attack is under attack, <laughs> like a thumbtack. Does he mean like everything's under attack? How? By whom? For what? Why? In what way? How do we stop it? You know what? It doesn't matter, Zabe. Dan Lebetard is showing. His concern. That's all that matters. Are we talking about the same people? You know, I just saw where Simone Biles and uh, Megan Rapino were awarded the highest honor a civilian can get. Awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. You mean the black gymnast who quit at the Olympics? Hey, it's true. I know, twisties. I get them too. The openly gay social justice warrior soccer player, they're under attack? It's all such hot nonsense. But that said, let me turn around and pivot here. This fucking country remains the beacon of awesomeness on this earth, despite all of that. People still risk their lives to come here. 
And they do it for the hustle and the freedom and the people and the openness. I think we're one of the least racist countries and one of the most open-minded countries. And yet we get harangued about it constantly, as you just heard. The people make America great. We go big, we go hard, and we keep going. The hustle here ain't like the hustle anywhere else. The variety of places to live, things to do, the vibes that exist in all 50 states different from one another ain't like anywhere else. It's amazing. Yeah, sure. Politically, we're probably in the fat Elvis stage of the Republic, which, look, 246 years into this experiment, we're not supposed to still be around. This should have sort of disintegrated 50 years ago. But like Fat Elvis, we can still knock out a rousing version of Hard Day's Night. Wait, that was the Beatles. Don't quote me on that. Quick, give me a good Elvis song, since I don't know any off the top of my head. Happy birthday, Uncle Sam. I, for one, thank God I was born here and celebrate the 4th of July. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cut to Joey Chestnut. Kings stay kings. A 15th title for Chestnut at the Coney Island hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July. It has become a staple of Americana. Richard Shea, a guy who invented professional eating. I don't know how many other contests they have. This, of course, is the big one. And ever since Kobayashi, the Japanese legend, retired, where is he? I don't know. It's been all Joey Chestnut's world. 60 hot dogs, which was a low number for him, but that's all he needed against a bunch of nobody. 63, as a matter of fact. Sorry, I shorted him three. Jeffrey Esper finished second with 47 and a half. And then James Webb took third with 41. First time they had the contest properly since the pandemic. Thank God for that. And uh, Chestnut has now won 15 of the past 16 hot dog eating contests. He did it with a busted up leg. Not that you need two good legs to win a hot dog eating contest. But he also did it by briefly hog collaring a protester who came up on stage in the middle of the competition holding some sign. He's there chowing down dogs. He's like, what the hell? 
boom, headlock. Here comes Richard Shea with his stupid straw hat, knocks him to the ground. <laughs> it was fantastic. So if anyone knows what happened to Kobayashi, where he is, why he won't eat anymore, because that's the only guy that can stop Joey Chestnut. Nobody else has said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you haven't seen me put down hot dogs. Let me get a piece of this guy. Nope. Nobody's been able to do it. God bless Joey Chestnut. Somebody tweeted me saying, well, Zabe, your list of top 10 most patriotic moments in sports history in America, you're going to have to move one off the list and put Joey Chestnut choking a protester while choking down 63 dogs on his way to his 15th title has to rank right up there. Cut number three. Rest in peace, Hammerin' Hank Goldberg. Hammerin' Hank was 82 years old. He died after nearly seven years of battling kidney disease or liver disease. One of the two. I get them mixed up all the time. They're both important um, organs. Although liver, you, you only have one and you need it. Kidneys, he got two, and I think you can give one to a friend. But then you're left with just one, and yeah. A kidney disease. Seven-year battle with kidney disease. I knew Hammer and Hank only when he pretty much bubbled up on ESPN in the early 90s. And Hammer and Hank, to me, seemed like a somewhat irascible, but generally friendly sports tout that would talk gambling. And they would bring him on during the pregame show, on ESPN hours before kickoff at 1 o'clock. They wouldn't let gambling get anywhere close to the actual product itself on Sundays. But they had it like, you almost had to, you know, ask the storekeep, hey, ESPN, you got any gambling talk here? Uh, yeah, come back here. All right. Okay, let me, here's the back room. Okay, we got a small selection. This Hammer and Hank, here's his picks. Okay, fine. All right, you got it? Okay, good. All right, get out of here. Don't tell anyone you saw this. That's where they would put Hammer and Hank's picks, way ahead of the end of the pregame run-up to 1 o'clock on Sundays. And he always seemed like a bit of a, you know, a, a, a pretty nice guy, or so it seems. But he made a name for himself in radio in Miami as just a stone-cold hang-up on callers, call them idiots, asshole, which I kind of love. In the late 1980s, Goldberg hosted a nightly three-hour show titled Goldberg at Night, makes sense, for W-I-O-D. He took calls from know-it-alls and listened to their opinions. Occasionally, he agreed with them. Most of the time, he did not. What followed helped shape two generations of South Florida sports fans. In his resonant and instantly recognizable baritone voice, and with a keen grasp of sports and current events, Goldberg ripped into those callers and explained why their opinions were, in fact, crap. How can you ask me that? He often yelled at them. Get lost. Feelings be damned. Not only did he hang up on them, but he would pound his fist or throw a pen at the wall or something, said Joe Zagaki, who hired who was hired to be Goldberg's intern in 78 and eventually became his boss at both WIOD and WQAM. At one point, I said, you just hammered him again. You're hammering Hank Goldberg. With that, the nickname was born. 
Over the years, stories in the Miami Herald and Sun Sentinel described Goldberg as, among other things, antagonistic, bombastic, boorish, brash, cranky, cross, disgusting, egotistical, irascible, and provocative. If newspapers could have printed expletives, more colorful words likely would have been used. When asked about the accuracy of those adjectives years later, Goldberg only quarreled with one. Disgusting? I don't think I was ever disgusting. In the summer of 58 was when he started his gambling career. He was 18 years old, and he went with a friend to Monmouth Park for thoroughbred racing in New Jersey. Placed the first bet of his life. Hit the daily double. Paid $450 at the time, which would be about $4,500 today. Brought the winnings home, showed it to his dad, who did not approve. Hank said, I want a car. Dad, where'd you get this? Hank, I went to the track. Dad, this will be the worst day of your life. He went on to a long radio career despite being suspended by WIOD multiple times for his sometimes controversial takes. In 81, he was put on timeout for scolding Hurricane fans for a lackluster turnout for a game against number one Penn State. He then rose to the top of the sports ratings in South Florida, stayed there for almost three decades, trouncing future local columnists and earning well into six figures in the process. At one point in 92, Goldberg held down four jobs at once. Senior VP at ad agency Bieber Silverstein, color commentator for the Dolphins, host of Goldberg at Night, and sportscaster for WTVJ-TV. That year, while his show ruled at number one for IOD, he was fired for openly defying orders from his program director. So he promptly joined struggling rival WQAM and beat his former employer in the ratings almost immediately. Hammer and Hank was must-hear radio, and fans needed to be part of of the shtick. Between 93 and 2019, Goldberg said he only had three losing seasons picking games on ESPN, though that figure cannot be independently verified, writes CBS Sports. Here's what can be verified. After joining Sportsline, which is a CBS.com, CBSSports.com subsidiary, he won more than he lost, going 237, 220, and 14 with his picks on the NFL. In 2019, before his health went into decline, he went 62, 46, and 5 with his point spread picks for Sportsline, a winning percentage of 57% that turned a $1,116 profit for $100 bettors. He also finished third in the Las Vegas Review Journal's NFL Challenge, which annually pits prominent handicappers. He also won the challenge back in 2017. <laughs> he recounted a story in which he said he went a red-hot 24-5-1 on a heater over a six-week period picking NFL games. Said Goldberg, quote, Sportsbook directors in Vegas told me people were coming to the sportsbook early and were waiting for me to come on SportsCenter to hear my picks. They would then storm the windows because I was on such an incredible run. He added, it got to the point where I was scared because so many people were relying on me. Classic gambler story. Rest in peace, Hank Goldberg. NBA money is crazy right now. 
Zach Levine over the weekend. Max extension, five years, $215 million, shooting guard for the Buffalo Chicago Bulls. Let's say the Buffalo Bills, the Chicago Bulls. Bradley Beal got his max deal from the Wizards at some point between the last time I was doing this podcast. Uh, five years, $251 million. They're not going to win with him anything significant. I mean, him and Kuzma and Rui Hachimura, I mean, what are they good for? Seventh place, sixth place in the East? James Harden is yet to sign. He's actually taking less. That's rare. DeAndre Ayton is still unsigned for the Suns. Jalen Brunson goes to the Knicks for a bargain. Four years, 104. That's a mere 25 mil for a guy who's pretty good. Anthony Simmons gets four years, 100 million with the Blazers. I mean, God bless him. I don't understand. Zion Williamson who, yes, was tearing it up before his foot broke and he missed the whole season, uh, gets a max extension, max rookie extension, five years, $193 million, could ramp up to 231 I guess you got to see the rest of the movie. I don't quite understand how NBA money and the ownership works and what they think in terms of spending this kind of money on guys? Because you've got John Wall had to be bought out at $46 million. He did give back $6 million, so at least there's that. Westbrook is now an albatross that cannot be traded, basically. Max salary. And Harden won't be far behind. Kyrie, of course, is abandoned in Brooklyn as they're going to get ready to trade Kevin Durant. So, I don't know, man. I guess it's a healthy league with a good TV contract with very small rosters relative to the NFL and guaranteed contracts that are just crazy. Cut five, Chicago, rough town. Highland Park shooting, six killed, dozens injured, a maniac with a rifle on a rooftop who they already know their, quote, person of interest. That was quick. So they must have had some inkling or they could trace him online and go, Oh, wow, this guy looks fucking disturbed as shit online. Can't arrest somebody, though, from putting up disturbing videos. Now, here's the part that's going to be tough, I think, for people to get their head around. We've had parades for dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of years. We've had rifles for dozens and dozens and dozens of years. And we've had rooftops for the same. Why now are mass shootings such a thing? Is there a way to actually turn the tide against it being a thing? Because just going after the guns, I mean, Chicago, very strict gun control. This alleged person of interest, this maniac, 22. So the new gun bill that is going to uh, increase background checks for 18 to 21. Are you going to go, oh, damn, he's one year out of date. Well, maybe we got to change that again. It's not going to matter. What I don't get is this. The White Sox did not cancel their baseball game on Monday, but they did cancel the fireworks afterwards. Game, good, fireworks, bad. Can have some fun in the wake of human tragedy, but not too much fun.
the Bears put out a somber statement on their social media. You know, just the plain, solid black background and the, you know, typical thoughts and prayer. Why? The Bears had nothing to do with this. Yes, they operate as the NFL team within the city. So does any number of Fortune 500 companies that are worth more than the Chicago Bears. Or maybe even the NFL. What, what, are they putting out statements? Why do, the, why do sports teams have to do this? Why do they feel the need to do this? So much thoughts and prayers, though. Wow. You would have thought by now, with as much as people mock that phrase, thoughts and prayers, People would avoid saying it, but they don't. Free Brittany. Brittany Griner has written a letter to Joe Biden basically saying, look, you got to get me out of here. She said she's scared she may never leave. And it's true. The Russian legal system kind of sucks. You can not only be tried a second time if you're acquitted the first time. So in other words... The prosecution can appeal. They're like, ah, not guilty. Thank God. Let me go. Now, wait a minute. We're going to try this again. In America, we have a little thing called double jeopardy. And you are not subject ever to being tried for the same crime twice. So that's one thing about America that maybe Brittany Griner will come to appreciate and like. Because she didn't really seem to think much of America Two years ago when she complained that the National Anthem had no part being in the WNBA because of the uh, spate of police shootings of black suspects. Basically didn't come out for the anthem, didn't want the anthem to be played. Now she's begging for her life to the president to get her out of jail in Russia. And you know what? We're going to give away some high-value terrorist or spy or arms dealer just to get her back. You watch, you know it's going to happen. By the way, Brittany Griner also got suspended seven games, got into a real nasty fight with her fiancé at the time, Glory Johnson, of the Phoenix Mercury. All of this, I'm not saying in any way she deserves to be locked up, although she might have actually broken Russian laws with these vape cartridges, these marijuana or hashish oil vape cartridges. I don't know smells like a setup, Russia's totally shady, who knows? Not saying she deserves it, but these are little factoids you probably won't get from the mainstream media. Live golf, baby. How we doing? Second event is in the books. Three rounds, no cut, big money. It's on YouTube. They don't play on Sunday. That's because I believe uh, for religious reasons, with the Saudi-backed money, uh, they don't want them playing on Sundays, and there might be an international travel component. I don't know how that works. But yes, Brandon Grace, your winner. $4 million pays that man his money. Carlos Ortiz, one of the younger defectors, uh, second place. He won several million dollars himself. And the team prize got to split up $3 million amongst four guys. So Pat Perez, who shot 80 over the weekend, Still got $750,000. Must be nice. However, the real winner, our Mr. DFL for the week, Mr. Dead Fucking Last at the Live Golf event, goes to one Jediah Morgan. Who's Jediah Morgan? Well, all it says is that he's from Australia. 
He looks like a knockoff Cameron Smith. Thin little cheesy Aussie mustache, wispy long blonde hair. And it says after turning pro in October of 2021, Morgan won his first event in just his fourth start with a victory in his native Australia. What tour? The Aussie Tour? At the end of the 2022 season, he was awarded the PGA Tour of Australasia Order of Merit. Awarded, which I guess means he was the number one money winner on the Australasia Tour. I'm sure he's pretty good at golf, but he was Mr. DFL this week. He finished plus 21. He won $120,000 for being dead fucking last. And on Friday, he shot 84. That included four doubles and no birdies, which is kind of hard for a pro to do. Next event at Trump Bedminster in New Jersey, end of July. Be there. Live golf. Golf only louder. That's their tag phrase. Only louder. Paul Casey has defected as well to the LIV. I, I never liked that guy. Might be the most wonderful chap. Just reminded me of an elf. Just pointy ears, long arms, short, good player, just not good enough to really win a major. Just good enough to be a pain in the ass every now and then at the Ryder Cup. And then we'll end with this. Chick-fil-A has once again claimed the title of most popular restaurant in America for the eighth straight year. Wow, how do they do it? I mean, it's it's a good chicken sandwich. Is it the best? I don't know. Popeye's has entered the chat. Others make a good chicken sandwich. It's got to be more than that. Certainly isn't the waffle fries, which I'll eat them, but I will pick out the butt ends, the rump end of the waffle fries. Ah, the worst. Uh, they do it, of course, with immaculately clean restaurants. Impossibly friendly customer service, and they hire good people. Good people, and they train them hard, and they give them Sundays off. Funny how that formula works. The survey found that American satisfaction with fast food in general, though, decreased by 2.6%. However, Chick-fil-A held their category score of 76, or I'm sorry, uh, they held their score of 83, which is the highest score in the American Customer Satisfaction Index in their restaurant survey. Chick-fil-A, Kings, Stay Kings. All right, that'll do it for me on this 4th of July. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you had a great weekend. God bless America. Happy birthday, Uncle Sam. We will keep pressing ahead against the nonsense, against all the stuff that is currently not what it should be, and we'll do it with a smile on our face and a helping hand for our neighbor. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and we will see you next time.
162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.com. 